Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Welcome to April's Highlights. If you missed out on any of the episodes, this one is just for you. It features highlights from the conversations I had with this month's guests. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Lucy Kruger, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Thank you for having me. So you released Autobiography of an Evening on March 11th. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Yes. Um, it's the third single from the, a record that I have coming out called Teen Tapes for Performing Your Own Stunts. And um, what can I say about it? I, I just actually, when I wrote it, I just finished reading a book called Autobiography of Red, which is a book by Anne Carson. Um, who it's it's a, it's a kind of a, a lyric novel and so it's written in verse um, and so it has a, a very interesting musical quality to it um, but yeah there's something there was something about her the way she used metaphor that I, I had never seen or read before or felt before just like I don't know sometimes I, I imagine like imagine you could see discover a new color or something that what yeah. it wasn't on the color palette that you'd never seen before you know and I think that somehow you think with language yeah or with music I guess like yeah so much has been done it's all been done or and I yeah it was I have I haven't had that so much where you read something and you're like wow this is I I it's 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 describing familiar feelings, like deeply familiar feelings, but in this totally new way. Mm. Um, it was extremely inspiring, and I was like, I'm going to write a song now because I can feel this, like, well, and just excited by the possibility of what create, like, what um, creating can do, and the, and the newness that is possible, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That you mentioned. It seems like everything has been done. You know. All the colors have been discovered. Yeah. All songs have been done already. It must be a very daunting feeling for a musician thinking, you know, all the greats that have come before have done it all. It's hard to come up with something new. How do you approach that that kind of feeling? I don't know, because, you know, I was thinking about it the other day and I was thinking it's so strange that we all still continue to write. Well, not everyone, obviously, but but often in a, like a verse, chorus, verse, chorus kind of a way. And then I was thinking... Maybe it's not so, like, it's also familiarity that makes stuff meaningful to us. If everything is completely new all the time, there's no referencing. And, and like, we make meaning by, through context, you know. Mm. And so, actually, it's, like, variations on things that I think are the, what makes something meaningful, you know. Yeah, it's like, if something was completely new and had no reference point, I don't know if it would particularly in, yeah, so I don't know. It's like some somehow like this. It's a challenge, but at the same time, it's like a gift to be 
yeah, to be speaking to things that exist, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You need that that touch of familiarity. Yeah, and and repetition, you know, like we need repetition. I think that's how we make sense of things. And yeah, um, yeah. You uh, you mentioned your upcoming album, which is out on the eighth of April. It's yes. uh it's the final one in a trilogy of tapes. That's the overall project seems very interesting. It started with uh, sleeping tapes for some girls. Now, just so the listeners are aware, this isn't an album where you're doing ASMR to put people to sleep. Would you like to would you like to tell us about the overall project? Yeah. So I guess when I started, when I when I when I made sleeping tapes for some girls, I wasn't that was well, actually, even even the album initially wasn't necessarily ever going to be an album. I, um, it was very much, I was living, uh, me and my partner had split and I was, um, I think, having a bit of a hard, I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit literal, but I was have, really literally having a bit of a hard time sleeping. And I was um, listening a lot to female, it just happened to be. Uh, female singer-songwriters um, and found an ex- incredible companionship in that. Um, and when I started to write songs over that time, it was really a, a and it's easier to tell this from a distance, I guess, but it was a very kind of strained and necessary and quiet conversation that I was having with myself. And then when I started to notice the nature of the songs, I thought, actually, I would really love to make something that I would have I would need over this time, mm. and um, it, and then I decided to call it that. And once I'd given it a name, it made it focused the album a lot, and it was really lovely to work like that because then I knew what would belong in there and like where things should. Um, and then when I moved to Berlin, I moved to Berlin just after I finished mixing that record, mm. and when I started to write new material, it also took on a very particular quality. And I wasn't necessarily, yeah, I was just kind of writing. And, and then another shift happened in my life. And I started, I, I mean, I just kept writing over this time. But then I kind of at some point, like, noticed these very sort of clear chapters and how they spoke to each other. Um, and then so before I started recording the next two albums, I made that decision. And so then I I wrote with, I continued to write and create, like, produce with that in mind mm. of this kind of like a very in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way sleeping tapes is really done in the bedroom and then I moved to Berlin um, and so there's really a sense of literal and um, metaphorical movement um, and it's kind of in a very obvious in a very sort of simplistic way the sort of sleeping tapes and then a kind of waking and then the third is a kind of entering or exiting whichever way yeah Close as my feathers come on. 
You're very welcome to concerts that made us. Thank you, man. Appreciate you uh, having us here. I suppose you know you're doing something right if you want to listen to your own music as a fan and you're amazed by it. How has the reaction to it been? Oh, man. When we play it live, like I said, when it comes in, I mean, they there you can see them rocking to the show, to, to the song. The crowd's loving it. And then when the drop hits, eyes open up. It's just an immediate like, holy shit, did that just happen? And then right when they, you know, discover that what is filling inside them, is, it really happened to them. Uh, we hit them again with another drop right after. So it's, it's just a double punch in you. It's we, we just call it, you know, a couple of dick punches. Huh? <laughs> that's uh, that's definitely a term I haven't heard before in regards <laughs> to a song. <laughs> Apart from being accessible, you seem real and genuine. You know, you're one of them bands that, as you said, you're accessible, easy to get in touch with. But overall, you're real, you're genuine. There's no bullshit. There's no, you know, it's like you guys genuinely care about your fans. You're not in it just for the fame or the money, you know? Yeah, that, you know, the, there's a saying. There's not, the saying is there's no money in rock music. <clears throat> and you know what? You're damn straight. The fact is, we're as blue collar as you are. You know, we're as blue collar as a guy that's a welder, you know, in the shipyard. Mm. And and we're not going to go anywhere where we're big time and people are like, oh, look at us, we're rock stars. We're, you know, we're behind the gate. Look at us. 
We don't mm. do that. We don't hide from you. We don't try to make it a persona that we're like some kind of mystic creature. But, you know, we're a unicorn that, that down there. I will for you guys. We're like leprechaun that people are looking for. You know what I mean? We don't play, we don't play that. We, we know our value, but we also know where we stand. And we know that, that we have to, um, we have to make sure that people don't see us as something that we're not. Because um, when you build yourself up that way, it's easier to knock you down. You know, so if you, what you see out of me is what you're going to get, man. If I'm, if I'm backstage uh, having a beer and, 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 and I see you up there and you're like, Hey, you know, throwing, throwing a sign up and you know, whatever I'm coming over there. We're talking and, and hell, we might all be having a beer backstage. You know, it's that kind of thing. You know, I feel like if you, if you, if you pretend and you put a persona on, that's not you, it's easy to find that, you know, it's easy to look behind that mask. It's easy to see it. And then yeah. you're like, man, they aren't who we thought we were. And then that's when people start turning their back on you. And, and that's, you know, that's something that I don't want to ever fall trapped to is, is to be um, put on a pedestal and then, um, or allow myself to climb up on that pedestal and then have an easier target to pull me down. It's like, I like to drink. I like, I like to drink. I like to look at tits. I like to play music and that's me. That's what you're going to get. That's what I'm going to be doing all the time. That's all. I, that's, that's what we do as a band. We just have a good time. And, uh, and, uh, and what you see is what you get, man. We're as real as it comes. So what would you say is the craziest experience overall from performing, from making music since your career started? Man. Um, what have I got to do, man? Oh, I, I got to perform at, uh, we played at Madison Square Garden. And, um, and these, you know, these, we're basically, you know, we're not household names, you know. And then you go around, you see all these celebrities and they're like giving you dap like you, like they know who you are, you know, cause you, you just played and they're at the place. Mm. And, and it's like, you know, first off, why are you here to see us? Secondly is, um, that's, uh, everything's free out here. This is great. So craziest <laughs> things you're you're down there hanging out with all these movie stars and and athletes and and they're acting like you know they want to be you and you're like, dude, I first off I've seen you in you know in a bunch of movies and you I've seen you naked and that's great. Also, <laughs> also can I get some ice cream right there? So so yeah, that was that was pretty cool. That's probably the craziest thing and the, probably the best thing is I've got on Project Twelve. Uh, you'll hear a little voice in it, right? Hmm. And that voice is my daughter. So oh. she actually sings the, the the intro part, and then she does some some like uh, other real kind of uh, vocaling and in, in the backside of it. That uh, that to me was just uh, amazing. So <clears throat> that that's probably as in this rock world moment uh, of my chapter, I guess, of life. It's like that's probably like one of my proudest. So I can't wait for you guys to, to, to hear it when we take it on the road. I can't wait for you guys to play it. And when you listen to the zoom, you, this interview, you'll hear it. It's going to be pretty awesome.
around And it's me Just give me something, something To believe It's just me It's just me La 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 butterfly I see in your eyes Distractions by fires No wires and all lies Systematic teachings One size fits all The problems never ceasing The acting curtain You're very welcome to concerts that made us. Hey, I'm really excited to be here, Brian. So um, the reason we're here today, you have a pretty interesting podcast that I think my listeners are going to love. Yesterday's concert. Would you like to tell us about it? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's uh, it's not your normal music commentary podcast. Uh, it's more, I tell people it's a lot like serial, but in every way except for content wise. Uh, there's no murder or intrigue as far as my show goes, but yeah, I, I try to, I take uh, what I call my jam journals. So I've been to more than 750 concerts and I take pages and these little diary like experiences and I turn them into audio dramas. Um, I add lots of soundscapes and effects and things like that and try to bring the stories to life. Uh, but the point of it is to connect with other music fanatics in their own experiences um, just because, you know, my favorite band and their favorite band are different doesn't mean that there's not shared experiences and going to these shows and uh, understanding and feeling things. Because, you know, for music fanatics, these these concerts are going to be mile markers for people's lives. Like, I mean, you're building your summer and your your year around going to see Guns N' Roses and Red Hot Chili Peppers. You know, those are going to be big days for you this year. Um, so that's what I wanted to connect with other music fans about. It's just, you know, these are really big moments in our lives. And you know, we often all have these same stories. We just don't get to tell them very often. So that's, I'm just trying to bring these stories to life for other people. Yeah. Yeah. I've listened to a good few of your episodes now and like the production quality is on another level, but there's something that well, keeps sticking in my mind. It kind of reminded me of, you know, Disgraceland, that podcast. Yes. It, <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that. Really? You've heard it before, so? Yeah. Disgraceland was a huge influence uh, for me. It was kind of the turning point because I started this project back in 2017. Um, and the first episode didn't go live until September of 2021 to give you an idea of how long I've been working on it. Um, so the, the thing about it was I, I had been compiling these stories just for my own personal keepsake. Um, a lot of it was just kind of like you know, jotting down a memory or running through the set list or why that show is important to me. 
um, just these real brief memories. And then I heard, and you know, I've been thinking like, what am I doing this for? What are these stories going towards? And then I heard Disgraceland and I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do with these stories. I want to bring them to life like he's doing with these other stories. Uh, his stories are a little more like serial in content. Uh, you're going to see a lot more murder and intrigue. Um, but yeah, that was, that was actually like a really, really big influence on me. Um, and that show has continued to be a big influence on me just in terms of production values and the stories that he tells and the way he tells. And that's a big deal because, you know, you can read these concert, you know, these music biographies and things like that. And you can, you can see the stories, but you can't feel them. Um, so I, I really like the way that he's casting new light on these stories that we may have heard dozens of times before. And 750 concerts like oh my <laughs> god how many years is that spread across uh since 2005 so it's roughly what's that 17 i'm not great with math jesus <laughs> that's that's a lot of concerts in even that space of time yeah, it is. And my personal best was in 2016. I mean, 2019, I did 162 concerts in one year. Um, there's actually somewhere on my website, there's a breakdown. I did like, you know, X number of headliners, X number of festivals, sets and everything like that. Uh, so it was really cool to see. And it was like something like 30, 40 different venues and all this stuff. Uh, so it's really cool at, at the end of the year to like kind of break it down. And I, and I do have to say like that, that was an exceptional year. Uh, I think it was the universe preparing me for 2020, getting it all out of my system for a minute. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, I am very fortunate, you know, and it helps that I live in a music town. Like, you know, Memphis is no stranger to, to good music coming through.
Hey guys, you're very welcome to concerts that made us. Hey, we're Bellweather. We're really happy to be here. Yeah, thanks, Brian, for having us. Delighted to have you guys. I, uh, I think we're going to have a really interesting episode for the listeners. We hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get started, actually, I just want to give a shout out to Matthew and Nolan over at Super Cool Radio and every podcast I love is dead. I know you guys appeared on those before. Yeah, we uh, we. We did Nolan's uh, a few months back, and then I guess it's been about a month since we yeah. did Super Cool Radio, and uh, those guys both have been really amazing to play our music on their on their shows, and they've been a really, really great support system for us, just kind of getting our music out to different audiences in different countries for that matter. Yeah, it was a blast talking to both of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's just always nice to have people supporting you when you're small. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's a... There's really not enough people out there really supporting smaller bands, in my opinion, anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, because it's hard in the beginning because, you you know, you want to get your music out there and you want to play and, and reach as many people as possible because, you you know, you write songs that you really believe in and you want as many people to hear them as possible. And so it's nice when when somebody comes on board and, and uh, kind of broadcasts it for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So we opened the show with your song, This Town is a Grave. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Sure. Um, so Nate and I, we went to, well, we met in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of met back up in high school uh, in a small little farm town in Ohio. We uh, we connected over our love for music and skating and just kind of being the odd kids out. And uh, this song is actually kind of about that experience of of growing up and, and playing music and kind of being outcasts. Jeez, are you sure you didn't grow up in my hometown over here? In <laughs> Probably a lot of similarities. Yeah, a lot of similarities <laughs> yeah. all, all over the world, unfortunately. Small little small little towns where it's not cool to be different. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever notice, actually, there's a, there's always, like, when there's a, commu- a community like that, there's always, like, one guy who just disappears, locks himself away in a room for six months and comes back as like Jimi Hendrix or something. <laughs> it always happens. Yeah. 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 Sell your soul to the devil and just become this like <laughs> god of a musician. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 That, that, one, that wasn't me. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so after high school and everything, what did you guys do to make your dream a reality to become musicians? Well, so I, like we've already talked about, Isaac and I have known each other for like 25 years. And so we've kind of like, we've 
we spent a lot of time growing up together and then we spent a bit of time apart and then you know we came back together i went to college in virginia he went to college in northern ohio and um i had gotten asked to join a band when i was living in virginia and uh called isaac up and we were like hey we need a bass player he's a guitarist but it was like hey do you want to come you know try out and play bass for this band so he came out to virginia and uh everybody hit it off and we ended up playing in that band for about eight years we moved to atlanta and uh we got to do a lot of really cool things in that band we got to uh record two eps one full length we did a couple uh couple tours played with angels and airwaves um uh, not simple plan but uh starting line it just like some other four-year strong some other like bigger bands and then um my wife is a is a phd student and has kind of gone through the undergrad grad school phd so we've kind of moved around a lot and so um we were apart again for another probably 10 years or so and then with covid my wife and i got uh displaced and ended up back here and so now we're back together and playing music again so we've kind of just had this ebb and flow of you know being apart and being you know far away and then living in the same place and playing music together so it's um yeah this last time it was just i got back and times were hard we were living in my um my in-laws basement and i was just like hey buddy you want to come over and uh, just play some covers and we just you know learned eight or ten songs and started playing and after we kind of got you know the the cobwebs off mm -hmm. we started writing music again and it's just we have like 16 songs now that we've that we've written all told in about you know a year and a half we only have three out but we have <laughs> 16 written and uh and so yeah that's we just we we always Isaac and I have played music for a long time we kind of always come back to each other because we really get yeah. each other on a level that uh we both play with a lot of people you know but there's there's something that that he and i have when we're writing music together that we have not been able to cultivate with anybody else and so um for us it's just it's always choosing to do the music for the right reasons that's how we've made anything a reality with this and for any of the listeners that haven't got the chance to see you what can people expect at one of your shows um this was actually a really good question and it was kind of you know when you're so you've only played four shows you know we're still very much in that um we're very much still even though we've played together for a long time this entity of of bellwether is still so new and as most people know when you play in a band i mean dave Grohl said it best he's just like just get on the road and play fucking shows like that is that's what you do to become a really good band like the way you become a really good band is playing you know 200 shows a year However, life happens. We have, you know, extremely busy lives. And when you're looking at the reality, you're like, ah, we would love to do that, but can we really? Not sure. Um, but so as it is evolving, we just, I think what people can expect at our shows is that there's going to be three people on stage who are so grateful for the opportunity to be there and so grateful for that gift of music and being able to play for one or a hundred people or however many people have graciously decided to be there um, that we are going to get up on stage and we're not going to play perfect. We wish we would, but we're all human beings and, you know, we're going to get up there and we're going to give it our absolute all and play authentic music that, that we write ourselves, record ourselves, produce ourselves 
and put out ourselves and like, just, we want people to find it really authentic and really organic, you know, because we're, this is all us, you know, this is, we are literally writing and working on everything from inception to where everybody's hearing it live. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's just like, we just want people to, to really get that we love music and that when we show up to a venue, we always talk about it before we get there. Like we want to be the most hospitable band, meaning like when we show up, we want to be nice to every single person we come in contact with. We want, we want to remember the sound guy's name. We want to remember all the other bands names. We want to thank them. A lot of times what we'll do, especially if a band's on the road, uh, if we get paid, even if it's 50 bucks, we give it to the band who's on tour because they could use it more than we can because we're just traveling from our house. But like, we just want, we want people to just feel that we love music and that we love the people that were there and we're just grateful to be there. So that's what we talk about. And that's what we want to do when we're going to a show. Um, and it's literal conversations that we have all the time, regardless of whether we're playing or not. Yeah. I just feel so fortunate to be able to do it. And I want people to feel that, you know, I want to, I want people to be like, you know, they really are doing this because they love doing this, not because it's a job. Um, and I mean, at this point, if, if this is a job, we're in the wrong profession <laughs> because we're, we're paying for it right now. We're not, <laughs> we're not making money doing it, but like, I mean, we both said like, we, we put money into this for the rest of our lives. Like it, it's just so fun. And we're so fortunate to even be able to play in front of people, period.
The world's changing and it's not necessarily for the better. Cancel culture is out of control. People that are claiming to be woke are actually more divisive and destructive than they will ever admit to. The silent majority is getting fed up. We're tired of normalization of things that should not be acceptable. We're tired of division. We're tired of fighting. A lot of us just wanted to be left alone. A lot of people are worried that they're going to be canceled, that people are going to come for them, that the woke culture is not going to allow them to have a voice or to have an opinion. Too many people in this world have gotten used to the idea that just because they have the loudest voices, they are somehow automatically right. They're way too comfortable using the false front of inclusion or acceptance to try and push hateful, divisive agendas. Instead of focusing on things we all have in common, they want to accent and highlight and push all the differences and forgetting the fact that we're all just people. It's time to bring back common sense. It's time to start focusing on inclusion instead of exclusion. It's time to stop worrying about things that happened generations before any of us were walking the earth. It's time to start holding people responsible for their actions. It's time to have the uncomfortable conversations. It's time to learn and grow and expand. I had to say at the podcast, having the uncomfortable conversations that need to be had. Available wherever you find your podcasts or at I had to say at podcast.com. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I for one surely did. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Your five-star review will be read out on the show. And don't forget, you can now rate us on Spotify. You can find and follow us on all social media at Concerts That Made Us Podcast. And don't forget to check out the website at www.concertsthatmadeus.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash concerts that made us. So until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.